Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Morning, good evening, good afternoon, or good night, however and whenever it is you may be listening, thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of the Take It Easy podcast here on a lovely Memorial Day Monday. For those of you who are in school, I hope you're enjoying your day off. For those of you who are going to work, Sucks to be you, <laughs> but we're coming at you again with our buddy Blake Jude. Y'all know him, Stripe Hype Cincy, NFL draft expert, just NFL expert, and you know what? Great friend, period. Not just a friend of the show. He is the ultimate friend of the show, but just a great friend, period, exclamation point, end of sentence. So Blake and I chatted late Sunday night, now you're listening to this however and whenever it is that you're listening, but... While we were watching this, uh, well, while we were recording this podcast, I was also watching the uh, Clippers get smacked down or smack down the Dallas Mavericks to tie the series at two, going back to Los Angeles because Luca, after we talked about this could be the turning point for Luca and his career, had to get a neck injury in Game Three, that has now totally limited him in the rest of the series, and the Mavericks just don't have any other offensive firepower, which makes me upset. But anyways. While we were recording this, I was really hoping we were going to get an epic finish in the Dallas and Clippers game, and we got no such thing. It was a blowout all the way, and uh, that playoff P crowd is looking real quiet right now. So anyways, here is Blake, here is myself, and uh, we had a really fun podcast where we kind of tease a big story I've been in the works on over the weekend, so... Enjoy today's episode of the Take It Easy podcast on a very rare, this rarely ever happens, it's only happened two or three times in the history of this podcast, on a Stripe Hype Monday. What's going on, man? What's going on? How you doing this Sunday night? Uh, doing fantastic. Listen to your LeGarrette Blunt podcast. It was very fun to listen to. Um, oh yeah! Well, I thank you. Day. I appreciate it. Of course, it's a great podcast. I, 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 I'm sorry to tell you that I have to be the follow up to that, unfortunately. But you know, hey, I'm here. <laughs> I think that it's probably fair, considering that you know he's he's got some clout, but you've been on probably eighty times or so. So I think it's probably a fair follow up. I have the experience. Yes, you you have the chemistry through this podcast that has come to define <laughs> it. So. 
all that all that jazz, whatever you want to call it. Speaking of jazz, did you watch any of the uh, did you watch any of the game before this, the Brooklyn Boston game? Uh, I did not. Uh, I do know the Nets won though, um, and I, I, I was actually at work pretty much the entire day, so I just got back home. Uh, nice. But I, I was keeping up with the score a little bit. I noticed the Nets did win. It was a high scoring game. I'm looking back on it right now. Yeah, um, so KD, Kyrie, and Harden had 104 points combined. And I was like, this is the potential of what the team was supposed to be when they came in. It's just the other team's going to score 125, and we're going to score 140. Yeah, that's pretty much ideal for the Nets. That's, that's, they're going to win every single game. It, it's just uh, no defense, all offense. And, and you know, I mean, I can't help but be impressed. I mean, it, it feels like I watched the game before, uh, the game the Celtics won with Jason Tatum dropping 50 points. And, I mean, it really just kind of felt like they just – they're like, here, you want the ball this time, you can <laughs> step back three-pointer. It's already in. You know, it's crazy. Yeah. Kyrie didn't have a great game game with a game three. Uh, but uh, Harden and KD were going off, and they were just taking turns just scoring the ball. It's, it's like a shoot-around for them. It's, it's insane how it works. But, I mean, yeah, at the same time – today it was the other way. Today it was Durant had 43 and Kyrie had 39, and it was Harden only had, you know, 23 points or 22 points. Yeah, only. <laughs> but, I mean, it's it's unreal to see how, uh, you know, like, I mean, how different of a team they are compared to the rest of the league. It really kind of feels like, you know, the Celtics are really running their entire offense through Jason Tatum. It's it's become abundantly obvious, and, and we're continuing to see it and even now. He hasn't had a great series. He, he dropped 50, and then he dropped 40 tonight, of course. But um, before that, he was struggling a little bit, and now it just feels like that's the only player on their team that really can score the ball. Uh, you know, Marcus Smart's been having an okay series as well, but it really kind of feels like a uh, one-man team over in Boston. That's probably always going to be the downfall for them here soon. Um, I, I'll, I think, you know, I can see the Celtics maybe taking a, a game five possibly, but I don't see this getting past game six, and they probably take this pretty easily. Well, yeah, and to be honest, I, I look around, and I'm like, gosh, playoff basketball is so exciting. And it's been, you know, we're into week oh, yeah. two of the first round, and games are coming to the end, and you know, with the NFL died down, I'm just like, these. I'm so, like, I'm so engulfed in playoff basketball right now that I'm looking around. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is, it's every podcast. Every podcast is just, oh, my God, did you see what just happened in this Clippers-Mavericks game or Trey Young or whatever else it might be? The, the Jazz game was fun yesterday, too. We didn't even mention that because we talked to LeGarrette Blunt. Like, even that one was fun. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 a very exciting playoffs. A lot of teams, I think, you know, preseason, no one really expected to be as good as they were. You know, with the Suns being a two seed, Hawks looking really good as a four seed, a couple of really fun teams to, to just watch and, and let play. And it's it's really fun to see guys like Devin Booker and Trey Young finally shine when it matters most. This is the, this is probably the most eyes they've had on them and, and for a long time, I think. Uh, and to see them finally be able to take over and be like star players like everyone thought they could be. Um, it was really fun. I mean, they were already recognized as really good players, but it's it's for the average fan, it's hard to watch them, you know, unless you have NBA TV or you're wanting to watch your own team play or something like that. So to be able to see them on actual TV constantly through the playoffs, it's, it's been really fun because I personally um, do not have the benefits of, of having NBA TV. So usually all my NBA season watching is either with the Heat or watching uh, the playoffs on, on TV, whether it's like ABC or whatever, whatever streaming service it's on. So I'm going to be able to watch a lot. I'm really enjoying this Knicks-Hawks uh, series. I'm cheering for the Knicks, and unfortunately, it looks like the Hawks might win. But seeing seeing Trey Young throw up the shush sign to the entire New York stadium and everyone in New York hating him so much, I, I love it. I love the competitiveness. It's been a very fun series for that as well.
Oh, I love the Trey Young stuff because I already was a huge Trey Young fan, and now all of this is just throwing gas on the fire for they like because there are really villains in the NBA as much as like they're now all. I think people say like there aren't a lot of villains in the NBA, but the other part I'd say is that they're all on one team now. Everyone's aging out, also, but really they've all the joined the Brooklyn. Well, I was going to say oh, Brooklyn, but okay, I right. guess I guess Pandemic P gets a little bit, but I don't know if he's really a Pat villain Bev. more if he's just kind of well, yeah, Patrick Beverly. But Patrick Beverly's not good. Like he's he's a villain, but he's not good. So I was talking about like KD Kyrie Harden for the past five years have kind of been the most hated or at least the most controversial basketball players. And I I think that's where Trey Young comes in. It's like, oh, Luca is likable, but Trey Young's okay to be unlikable. And to be fair, like Joel Embiid tried to be the villain and he just he wasn't very good at it. <laughs> so he's just too likable. Like he he was yeah, he happy is. to take on the villain role, but he's just too likable to be a villain. Everyone was like He's trying to start beef with people. Everyone's like, oh, that's so cute. Oh, my gosh. He's, he's <laughs> he, so lovable. <laughs> you couldn't help but feel bad for him last year, too, after the playoffs. You know, he, he really went through a tough time through the through the bubble and everything like that. So, yeah, I, you know, I actually, before, whenever he's actually trying to be a villain, I actually quite, I, I was not a big fan of Embiid. I'm actually not a fan of Ben Simmons at all, uh, just as a player, not as a person or anything. But Yeah, uh, it's I, just the, the offensive game. It's like he, Paul George and him are like another category where the internet likes to make fun of them. So yeah, that, that I guess Kevin Durant's kind of in that category too. But there's, there's a different category to like people the internet like to troll. I think my problem is I I'm pretty indifferent. Uh, or actually, I would I would say I would even lean towards liking uh, guys like Kevin Durant and James Harden just as entertainment value. I mean, they are very yeah. fun to watch, and I really enjoy watching them. So I guess the only reason why I I, I didn't say the Nets at first is because I feel like. You know, I you know I, I do understand a lot of people hating KD for for going to the Warriors and of course, um, pretty much dominating the league for was it two was and, it the two years yeah. he was there. Um, and Harden, and, think, well, three seasons, one of them he got the torn Achilles at the end, but right. it was it was so for for like James Harden, it's a similar thing to Trey Young is that people don't like the way his game is played, and so that that and then he uh, buys that, the villain role with like the Knicks and things like that, but. I'm with you. I love Kevin Durant. I love Kevin Durant's the most fascinating basketball player I've ever right. seen. Right. He's an anomaly. He's a seven foot point guard. I mean, it's, it, it, I can shoot. I can shoot really well. I mean, I, yeah, I think, I, in my opinion, and feel free to disagree, there is not, he, he is the most unguardable player in NBA history offensively. I mean, you, it's just impossible to guard him. He's got everything you need, every single tool offensively to be dominant. In uh, my you know, lifetime, so in our lifetime, I would say him. LeBron and Harden would have to be the three like you can kind of interchange them either way but for Durant yeah he's this amazing shooter and he's literally taller than everyone guarding him like they literally can't reach up and block him so yeah, he pretty I mean, much it, can just train himself to shoot no matter what knowing that they're not going to touch him it's impossible and, and, and for me you know I, I think for me it's a little bit easier to dislike Trey Young because uh, I wasn't a fan of him in college kind of felt like he was you know, it kind of felt like the entire Oklahoma season that year was just a fluke of him just throwing up shots and making them somehow. And for me, I just didn't like that very much. But, uh, you know, I, as for Harden, though, I'm, I'm this might be a little bit hypocritical of me, but I love watching Harden throw up shots for Houston. I'm a, you know, yeah. of course, uh, Marshall's head coach is Dan D'Antoni and his brother's Mike D'Antoni of the Houston Rockets. So, uh, you know, he, of course, I, well, I form, formally of the become... Houston Rockets now of right, the Brooklyn right. Nets. Correct. Yes. Uh, yeah. And uh, I, I, I used to talk to, uh, 
uh, Dan D'Antoni um, quite a bit in like interviews and everything like that. And he actually took a lot of his uh, game plans for, for Marshall basketball uh, from the Houston Rockets and his brother. So it was really cool to see how that kind of worked out for the NBA team and how uh, it, it kind of develops the younger players who are still trying to learn in those exact systems, uh, which was which is really fun and interesting to actually pay attention to a watch. So I ended up watching a lot more Rockets games, um, you know, those last couple of seasons, actually right before Harden decided to leave. Um, but even before then a little bit, you know, <laughs> they were my 2K team that you like to play with. I just love James Harden. So it's just kind of like a one of those just personal uh, players that I'm kind of like, I, I, I lean towards liking more than I dislike, even though I know a lot of people do dislike him. Um, but, you know, everyone's entitled to their opinion. I'm not going to blame you for, for disliking someone or not liking him. I think my favorite player right now in the NBA, for some reasons, probably going to be out of the and Fox, Julius Randle, of course, Kentucky players, but it's almost none of those players have really even talked about. So I understand, you know, having liking other players for different reasons and, and disliking players for some certain reasons as well. Yeah. And I understood why you were a Knicks fan and, even even the Heat series, I do love that because I said at the beginning as a joke, um, I said coming into the series, it would be uh, Bucks in four and they would win every game by 27. And then three, lo and three behold, or four isn't bad. <laughs> lo and behold, the average of those three games was right around 23 points. Those uh, game, game two, game three, and game four, the average is close to 23 points. So I said that totally as a joke and then walk away looking like a genius because it was grounded in truth that the, uh, the Heat weren't going to be able to score enough points to counter Miami or to counter Milwaukee. Yeah, and I, as, a, as a Heat fan, you know, I was just ready to reset into next season. I, I hope we, we save the money to throw a uh, max contract to someone else hopefully but i mean but there's I, no I, I one watch... left unless uh unless you're still i know we're recording this right now during the clippers mavericks game but unless you're uh counting big time on um Kwiami, Kwiami beach i think is what they're calling it right now but unless you're counting on Kwiami beach i think uh you're looking at like a max contract for kyle lowry or demar Derozan right now <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, it's a fair point. And, you know, also we're hoping for a healthy Victor Oladipo coming back, which is very probably it's it's hoping for a lot. It's hoping, but also even when he was healthy, he just I, mean, I don't know how healthy he was given he had that That's the surgery, but right. he just wasn't very good even when he got to the heat. Yeah, but I think that there was rumors that, you know, he was never really 100 percent at all. So maybe getting him an entire offseason to, to help recoup and recover might help. Uh, you know, him being fully healthy and ready to go back into the system. I, I watched game one of the Heat the entire game, and I was really hyped whenever Jimmy Butler made that uh, game tying shot in overtime. And of course, they ended up losing the game. But I actually had a lot more confidence in the team. And then I watched Brent Forbes drop like 30 points on, on the Heat in game two. And I was like, yeah, never mind. <laughs> no, it's over. They lost Pat Connaughton and just didn't miss a beat right now. By the way, Paul George is going nuts right now for the Clippers. Playoff Paul team, George. man. He's going nuts right now in that game. What is it? Game four in that series. But for Miami, like I knew it was over after game one, which made me feel kind of good because I still think that the Bucs would have won the series last year had Giannis not gotten hurt in game three. But to that point, I, it did make me feel good to look up and see that the, the, the Bucks survived the Duncan Robinson game. And if you can survive the Duncan Robinson game, because there's always – there's one good game in every series. They've gone five playoff series in the last like year with last year's run in this year. Every time, just one good Duncan Robinson game. You get one Duncan Robinson game. And if you survive that one, you're probably going to be in the clear. There's actually a saying for that, that game too. It's Miami runs on Duncan. So if, if Duncan Robinson <laughs> helps you win the game, 
Miami's rolling. You know, that's exactly what they say, and that's what I say. Miami runs on Duncan. If Duncan's going off, you're in good shape if you're the Heat. So uh, I agree with you. They, you know, unfortunately, it's 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 a it's going to be a I think what needs to be a pretty big reset year for the Heat. I think you know um, there is a big question of whether or not Tyler Hero is going to be uh, you know a trade option for the team or not. I'm a huge Tyler Hero fan, as you know, but as a Heat fan, yeah. I understand the, the reasoning behind wanting to trade him. Of course, he was the last piece needed for them to make an ultimate trade to get James Hart. Or, no, no, sorry. Is it James Harden? Yeah. Yeah, yeah um, it was yeah. James Harden, but also people were like, oh, Bradley Beal's going to come available, and you trade Tyler Hero to get Bradley Beal, and now oh. they they kind of lost out on that. Because not only is, is Tyler Hero gone now, but the guy who kind of rebounded this year, Kendrick Nunn, he's a restricted free agent now. So... Right. I don't think they're going to give him 15 mil a year. They're probably going to let someone else sign that uh, that franchise tender. Yeah, in, in my eyes, it looks like uh, Miami's looking to probably try to add a good point guard. And what I would hope might be an extra star player. Um, Kyle Lowry, see- Kyle Lowry, that's what you're looking at right now. That's your best option. He's just so old. <laughs> but he's, better than, <laughs> he's better than Kendrick Nunn at the very least. Yeah, like, yeah but I mean – Goran Dragic is not a bad player by any means. You know, like I, I can I can survive a Goran Dragic point. I, I would if I if I'm a Heat, I'm looking for someone a little bit younger. Maybe maybe look towards the draft. Like Goran, yeah, did Goran start at the end or because you can technically have both, but I just don't. I don't know if Goran would take the pay cut or not to what? come back. As far as I know, in, in, in the games I watched, Kendrick Nunn was the starter, but Goran Dragic was pretty much the closer of the game. You know, he used to play more minutes than Kendrick Nunn. He was a bigger factor in the game. Uh, they just needed to give Goran some rest, especially uh, down the stretch to, to be able to, you know, because he's a little bit older. Uh, and is he, I would say, to a certain degree, a bit of a liability on defense, I think, compared to Kendrick Nunn, who is, you know, extremely uh, energetic and able to be around the, uh, the court very fast. So I, I think that's probably why. Uh, and, and I think that, you know, maybe if the Heat look towards adding a, a guy like that in uh, a draft this year, that would be ideal for them. And, I, you know, I do have hope. I think guys like Precious Achua are going to hopefully have a big year, too. I, I'm really looking forward to him. I love that pick in the NBA draft last year. Uh, and I'm excited to see what's in the, what's, what they have hold, held in the future. I really like the good core they have right now. Bam Adebayo, Duncan Robinson, Jimmy Butler. It's kind of what I consider the big three of the future right now for this team. Hope they can keep those three guys and, and try to find some good pieces around them to build and uh, hopefully contend in the future. But as for right now, it's, I think it's abundantly obvious. It's just the East is too stacked at this point. The Nets, the Sixers, uh, you know, all these teams. I would even argue teams like the Hawks are, are looking far better than what the Heat did this year. Uh, and I don't, I, don't, I don't really see a chance of them getting past round one yet, let alone round two anyways. But um, you know, hopefully this is, a, this is a good reset year for them, and, and we'll see. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Suns fan now. Rooting for the Phoenix Suns. I hope you can make it this series. <laughs> You're so. running out of teams right now. You're running out of teams down the list here. For I'm giving up my Knicks. <laughs> Yeah. By the way, you mentioned the Suns. I've got a little game we can play towards the end of the podcast, too, that uh, people seem to enjoy on the podcast, but I'll save that for later. But you're, at this point, you're running out on the Suns, which, to be fair, the Anthony Davis injury, which is a new development we can talk about. Like, Anthony Davis is injured, but it's not even the injury he had coming into this. <laughs> the injury before was that he was recovering from a quad injury, which is code word for Achilles. And now this time it's his groin (laughs) that's hurt. So Anthony Davis is now being stitched together all over the place. And the fact that he ruled it, they ruled him out of a game four with like, I think at halftime they ruled him out of the game. And so at that point I'm like, Oh, this is like legitimate. Like he might be missing some extended time and you know, the Lakers can win, but they're not, they're not like thriving at this point without Anthony Davis in a two, two series. 
Right, yeah. It kind of feels like to me he's probably going to be out for game five, and I would be shocked if he does not play game six because that's that's going to be a crucial game in the series regardless of who wins. Um, you know, the Lakers probably need to take game six regardless of what happens. So um, I, I think that uh, that's going to be that's going to be pretty huge for the Lakers. Uh, you know, game five is going to be if the, Sun, if the Suns win game five, they're in great position. Uh, they'll have the chance of, of possibly trying to take it home game six with a, um, you know, a AD partially healthy coming back and, you know, with LeBron having to pretty much carry the entire Lakers team. I, I, I do I do tend to uh, still not doubt LeBron, though. Uh, anytime I, I think LeBron's done for, he, he somehow pulls off some magic and makes it happen. So I'm not going to not going to count out LeBron. But, man, I would love to see CP3 and Devin Booker continue this run and go through. I think they can win the next round between the, the winner of the Blazers and the, and the Nuggets. I think they can win that series as well. So if you take them to the yeah. Western Conference Finals to play against a team like the Jazz, it's going to be a really fun series to watch, and I'm, I'm cheering for that. Yeah, the the Nuggets and Jazz – or the, sorry, the Nuggets and Blazers series is, like, quietly underrated right now. Like, it's 2-2. But most teams are like the games haven't been good is the problem in that series. It's been like, okay, it's, you know, game one, Denver wins by 15. Game two, Blazers win by 15. Game three, Nuggets win by 25. Game four, Blazers win by 32. Like that series has been fun and nobody's talking about it because it's also the 3-6 matchup. And we kind of assumed like whoever wins would lose to the Lakers. But now the Lakers are in trouble. So we're looking up like, ah, shit. What do we do now in the Western Conference? Which is kind of what we thought coming in because now utter chaos is breaking out in the Western Conference. And I feel like a 22-year-old Luka without the neck injury might end up standing at the top of the mountain, even though he's down 15 against the Clippers right now. I would argue, at least for the Western Conference, Eastern Conference might be a bit of a different story, but this is probably the most... The, the the I don't I don't know how to explain this in the best way, but I would say the most balanced Western Conference playoff team or, or group uh, of teams I have ever seen as an NBA fan myself. Like this is the closest the eight teams been to the one seed. I don't think there's much talent level differentiating those two as much as what has been the past couple of seasons. You know what I mean? Uh, of course, the all Warriors of them have all of them have a superstar. Uh, every single right. one of the teams in the West has a legitimate superstar on their team. Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, you could honestly argue the East does as well to a certain extent. I just think the biggest difference is you have teams like the Nets and the 76ers who really have, you know, two or three superstars. And it really kind of feels like the lower level guys uh, or teams have guys like Julius Randle who are, you know, great players, but I wouldn't label as superstars. Yeah, I was about to say, Knicks fans are very quietly learning Julius Randle is not not quite a superstar. Great player. But he's. But he's. I will say he's got a chance though. If he if he continues to ramp this up and continues to get better, uh, I, I think he could be a, a really good super or a, not a superstar. A really, I mean, I, I would say a low end superstar if that makes any sense at yeah, all. Like, like, a, like an all star. Yeah, he's an yeah. all star, and like superstars are like perennial all stars. Like when healthy, they make the all star game every year and usually Ooh. start in the all star game. So you're not saying Devin Booker's an all star then? Devin Booker's made the all-star Devin Booker made the all-star game the last two years. So I would say he's also 25. So Devin Booker is an interesting case. I would say Devin Booker is a rising superstar because he's made the all-star game each of the last two years. So I'd say he's rising superstar. But he was the person I chose on that list. Like Chris Paul is Chris Paul's just a weird mercenary at this point, but yeah, I think him and John Morant would both be like rising superstars at this point. See, I mean, Julius Randle's twenty six. 
Oh yeah, but I think Julius Randle in the West wouldn't have made the All Star team this year. Like Julius Randle feels more like a Victor Oladipo than he does like Victor Oladipo Pacers than he does like John Morant Grizzlies or, you know, he's going to be closer to what Victor Oladipo is. Like this is this feels like the best Julius Randle. What we're seeing right now is the best Julius Randle because he's the center point of that offense. Yeah, I, I think best case for Julius Randle is seeing him be a second option uh, somewhere, you know, whether it's for the Knicks yeah. or, for, or for somewhere else. I think if he's able to be, you know, it, it's tough for him to be the main focal point of, of the offense, as we see, you know, the offense is running through him right now, and, and he's having a tough time to, to try to control that right now for the Knicks. So it really kind of feels like, you know, we're seeing guys like Derrick Rose have to carry the team instead. Yeah, uh, Julius, Randall, Julius Randall is what I would call a small market max. Like, he is someone who – he gets a max contract only because these teams don't have, they like can't afford to let him go. So like, he's the kind of max contract that's AJ Green in a Pacers sign. Yeah. How about that? He's AJ Green. He's a small market (laughs) max. He, he is the, the, the max player. He's like Zach Levine. He's the max player who gets signed by Sacramento or Chicago, but you know, Miami looks up, they're like, nah, we're not going to pay 32 million for Zach Levine. We can get someone better than Zach Levine. Like, He's someone right. that small market teams pay for a max contract as like the centerpiece of their franchise, which is ironic because you know the Knicks are far from being a small market team. But you know, no, but are. yeah, they're kind of broke in the uh, the like respectability thing. But yeah, yeah, Knicks Knicks are uh, there because this is the weird thing with the NBA. There are technically no small markets. Like it's all based on who's good or not. Like the Bucks have all of a sudden become a big market because Giannis is there. Like you said, the one thing that shocked me was when Harden was expanding his trade requests from Philadelphia and Brooklyn, he was like, let's go to Milwaukee. He threw Milwaukee on the list. He's like, I would be willing to go to Milwaukee as like his second tier of teams. And I was like, Milwaukee becomes a big market as soon as you put Giannis there because everyone wants to play with Giannis. And it's the same thing with Denver. People want yep. to go to Denver now, and Denver used to be just the hellscape of the NBA, and probably still is because it's altitude and stuff. Utah kind of is too, but when you have the MVP of the league, people want to go right. play there all of a sudden. Yeah, even if, it, even if it's just Aaron Gordon. Like, even if it's just Aaron Gordon right now, like, it sets the foundation for, like, another player to come to Denver, like a Bradley Beal. And that can be said for for any uh, NFL team. I I genuinely believe it. If if you're able to either find a way to, to sign a very very good player, be able to draft a really good player, that that that's that's what can reset your franchise. You know, it's all dependent on one certain guy who can attract everyone to the team. And this is a big reason why. Um, you know, I I'm a big fan of always taking the most exciting player. Like, this is a big reason why like, I understood the Baker Mayfield pick to the Browns to, to, switch, to switch sports a little bit here because yeah. he was a very marketable player. People wanted to play with Baker Mayfield, and look what's happening now for the Browns. You have a lot of superstars signing over there. Eldo Beckham Jr., of course, Jarvis Landry, all these guys coming to help with, with play with, with guys like Baker Mayfield. And it's, it's turned into a what I would call a – I mean, for the Browns case, at least a dynasty. This is the, some of the best Browns teams we've ever By seen. By Browns standards, history. no question. By Browns, <clears throat> I'm so glad you brought this up because literally this morning, I wrote a story that we're going to do either Tuesday or Wednesday, depending on like podcast guest schedules. But I did a story on the Cleveland Browns in this rebuild, and one of the key like bold phrase things I said is like, the Browns were bad for a long time, but they were never really bad. They were just kind of like 
four win, five win, six win seasons. And then they would naturally get enough talent to win seven or that one 10 win season with Derek Anderson. Like they were never bad. The Browns for as bad as they were never lost as much football as they did in 2000. What was it? 16, 17 when they went one and 31 with Sashi Brown, but got, you know, I think it was 36 draft picks in three seasons, which is the most in the history of the NFL. They weren't, they had never been that bad, but they've also never had a player as good as Miles Garrett. That's the trade-off. They've right. never been that bad, but they've never gotten a Miles Garrett in a Browns jersey and sign a five-year extension with the Browns. It, it took them that. I mean that 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 one in thirty-one uh, couple, or, you know, two seasons there is is what turned into what we now know as their core of of Miles Garrett, Denzel Ward, uh, like mm-hmm. Nick Chubb. You know, these these future. I mean, I would already call them stars. They're already stars. Yeah. This is what's kind of turned into, uh, you know, the, what is now one of the better teams in Browns history. And this is another big reason why I, I've said this multiple times with this podcast. Why I think it is necessary to, if you're going to want to rebuild trade every single asset you have away. I don't care how attached you are to the player. If he is not going to be a part of your future plans, get him out of there, get picks, do with the Browns and even the Dolphins. The Dolphins is a perfect example. Brian Flores did trading Minka Fitzpatrick. You know, maybe those are high scratching moves at the time, trading Larry Tunsil, you know, but you know, look at them now. They're in such a much better position now with other all the other younger players. Uh, and I'm a big believer that, you know, NBA, you know, NFL, MLB, all these cases to be able to, if you're planning on resetting, reset completely. Um, as a Cincinnati fan, I, above all people, know that we have a very hard time committing to resetting. Uh, we've had Andy Dalton kept way too long. Marvin Lewis kept way too long. Joey Votto kept way too long. All these issues, it's really kind of bit, bit us in the butt. And I think, um, you know, if you want to do a rebuild, you got to do it right. And so I think for teams like, going back to the NBA, uh, the Houston Rockets, the Oklahoma City Thunder, I love what they're doing right now. I'm just trying to find that new young talent while acquiring many picks by trading all these other assets away. I really enjoyed, uh, you know, seeing those moves being made. I hope this becomes more of a, um, a thing that happens in the NBA, though we might see a little bit of um, less competition between the lower ranked teams, and the higher ranked teams during the um, regular season. We're going to see very, very good playoff games since every team's going to have those good role players. And we're going to see the teams at the bottom. So they turn to rise into the top. Uh, and we we're going we're gonna to get the more of those, you know, Charlotte Hornets teams that have very exciting young rookies that are playing really well. We're going to have those, um, you know, Memphis Grizzlies. Throw the Memphis Grizzlies, Grizzlies yeah. in there. Zion, yeah, we forgot even... the Pelicans have like a dozen draft picks in the next yeah. couple of years because they traded Anthony Davis and Drew Holiday for like six picks and six pick swaps. Yeah, I mean, they're another perfect example. You already got guys like Lonzo Ball, Zion Williamson, who have a lot of attraction and, and hype down there. So uh, just a lot of reasons to be excited for, the, for those two teams. And, you know, I, I think that, you know, if you're, if you're sitting in the middle, uh, if you are going seven and nine, like the Cleveland Browns did for a long time, you're going to want to have that 131 season that kind of turned things around. That's what happened to them. I, so I, this, think, I, think so I was going to say this applies to both sports. I want to ask you a question that goes along with something you said. And this, this could apply to basketball, but obviously me and you are probably better versed in football. I think probably more so you than me. But what do you think is the single best catalyst for turning around a franchise, for rebuilding a franchise, for like changing your fortunes from losers or mediocre to winners? What would you say is the single best catalyst for that? The best are thing you, that can you... happen to you. Like the, what is the best thing you can do to turn around your franchise. If you've been mediocre or you're terrible, what is the best thing you can do for yourself to turn around your franchise? Getting the number one overall pick. 
in my eyes. Is, is the, I is would the best. See, I would take it one step further. Get because I say the exact same thing. It's get the number one pick in a year with a once in every five years talent. That right. is the best catalyst. That is that's to hope for that. That's a little tough because you have these seasons where everyone expects Tua to be the best, you know, generational guy, and then of course that yes. doesn't pan out. Ends up being Joe Burrow, which is very lucky, you know, for the Bengals. But that draft is that draft is a perfect example because Chase Young was a once in every five years defensive talent who happened to go number two in that draft, but was probably the highest rated player in that draft for most people. Right. I, I just think that you know if you're committing to wanting to get the number one overall pick. You're, you're going to have to commit, you know, pre, I mean, if, if you're, if, if that's the best case scenario for you and you're entering the season, like, Hey, I'm going to rebuild. I want the number one overall pick. You're going to want to start losing year one. And there's a lot that can change from the beginning of the season to the end of the season in the ranks of college football. Um, you know, yeah. injuries can happen, everything like that. So it's, it, for me, it's just a little tough to be able to gauge whether or not you're going to have one of those once in five generation players, because it's always oh, impossible. <laughs> once in five generations, five, five years. Five, yeah. Because I call five years a generation at this point because right. careers don't last very long. So I'd say once in a generation on both sides. And Cleveland took the math out of that by saying, if we have the number one pick two years in a row, we are statistically likely to get one of those players. And they did with Miles Garrett because Miles Garrett was, you know, the best defensive player of five years. And Chase Young is probably that also. I know he went number two and Joe Burrow. It was tough with Burrow and him because both of them were these like outlandishly great talents, but we aren't, I mean, we know Chase Young is awesome now, but we weren't like certain this guy was going to be like of once in a generation type talent. Fair enough. Uh, and, and, Trevor, and, and Trevor Lawrence is probably right up there too. Cause you had Trevor Lawrence graded higher than Burrow or same as Burrow on huh. your draft. I had a great, I graded up higher than Burrow uh, overall um, during the, throughout the draft. It was very close. Uh, I, I believe that he was like a couple points higher. I know I, Burrow or I think Lawrence was 101.3. I believe Burrow was like 100.8 or 100.9 or something like that. So it was like neck and neck. I mean, anything could have changed there. But ultimately, I had given the edge uh, to Trevor Lawrence, I believe. And and I think Chase Young was uh, around like the 102 range. He was a couple of steps higher uh, in my overall rankings uh, for the players. But, uh, you know, I I will say I, I do think we're slowly entering where we are starting to find more superstars. Um, you know, I, I would, though Burrow had gotten injured, didn't have a great season. I would argue Burrow is one of those once in a five year superstar player that you would want. I would argue Lawrence is as well, as well as Chase Young and possibly this upcoming season, guys like Kayvon Thibodeau. And but this is, the, this is the tough thing. All of them are great, but how can you be once in a generation? You see, no, I'm joking. Like you can have four <laughs> once in every five year talents. Like all of right. them are franchise changing. That's the important point is like, especially so in the NBA, like if you get, Dwight Howard in the first pick or you get you know Zion Williamson with the first pick we all kind of know like oh that's a franchise changer for the next 20 years if you're Orlando they're still riding the Dwight Howard wave but yeah the NFL it's the exact same thing like the Browns they're like let's take the guesswork out of it let's just get the number one pick and we get Miles Garrett or we get the number three pick and we get Joe Thomas or if you're Washington you get the number two pick and you get Chase Young and it changes the fortunes of your franchise it, it, it's hard to find, I think, a generational player because every team wants to take a quarterback round, one first overall. But if you if you go back, I would honestly argue there's been two of those players 
um, since I can last remember. I, I think this season, the, the two generational guys we were talking about is Trevor Lawrence and, of course, uh, another guy, Kyle Pitts, I think is, another, is the other one. Uh, I would argue that the previous season, of course, Chase Young and Joe Burrow, and then a couple seasons after, before that, you know, you had your Miles Garretts, you had your Quentin Nelsons, you had your, you know, those guys like that who are might, might, might be playing different positions, but still have huge impacts in, in the parts they play in the, for the team and is a very big building block to their success. I think had Quentin Nelson not been the Colts draft pick, we, we might not be seeing – we might not be considering Jonathan Taylor to be one of the most dangerous um, second-year players coming into this season. This could be a big improvement season for the Colts, and it, it could you know rise into being a, a true playoff contender. And I think Quentin Nelson leading the offensive line is a big reason for that. Um, and, and honestly, I mean, it, it's just a couple of picks away. So I, I think, though, you know, it's always – if you were able to guarantee me a generational player the, yeah. the next season, I would I would delay it and try to get the first overall pick. But for me, uh, you know, I'm I think the issue is if if you wait a little too long, the Browns played a little bit risky because if you if you wait to go one and thirty one, you're you're ruining any chance, especially of, of your coaching staff. You're ruining any chance of a future uh, for the franchise when it comes to free agency or finding coaches that actually want to be a part of that team. But then uh, it turned around for the Browns. It took a few years after the turnaround, but it did finally turn around to where now you look at the Browns and they're like, oh, they're one of the most respected organizations in football. And this is now a half decade after the one in 15 season. Like it took a long time. And that's the trade off that people talk about is like the 76ers, like the process in the NBA, their whole thing was like, it's taken eight years now. But they've gotten the two generational talents. They got two generational talents worth of their tanking, Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. And so was are the trade-offs worth it? And one of the things I explored in the story I did is like what they did to Deshaun Kaiser is where the immoralities come in. Those are the trade-offs that you have to have. Like what the Browns did to Deshaun Kaiser was just like bleeped up. Like yeah, they, yeah, they, they basically gave him a 15-week sink or swim with a roster where Duke Johnson was the best player on the team. And he he was the quarterback of the 0-16 team because they basically took him in the second round, gave him a terrible team, and said sink or swim to Deshaun Kaiser. And, and you know, that's always I, – I, I think that's the, one of the biggest mistakes you can ever make. And I, I think the best part about the, the Browns did um, – and it was a mistake they made a lot beforehand, but I think they finally learned from the mistakes. They kept every single time they got a high pick, they're taking a quarterback. And of course, the quarterback was not working out because he had no one around him at all, right? And so the Browns yeah. finally take a, a new direction, go towards Miles Garrett, go towards uh, you know guys like Nick Chubb, uh, Denzel. We already mentioned these players earlier, but you know building the offensive line, getting guys like Jedrick Wills, adding guys, you know Wyatt Teller has been a huge addition, you know for the squad, adding those those pieces around. And then worrying about your quarterback afterwards, getting a Baker Mayfield type, I think is perfect. Yeah. I mean, and of course, of course, they added Wills uh, a year after Baker Mayfield. So that, maybe that's not the best example, but a lot of these players. Yeah, were no, but the, but they did. They, their team was their team was terrible with Baker, but they did like after the fact. They looked around after that terrible like Freddie Kitchen season that Browns fans want to burn from their memory banks. Like they did look around. They're like, okay we got to go get Jack Conklin. We got to go get Jedrick Wills. We got to actually like start investing in this offensive line. Cause we have Baker and Nick Chubb and we're actually going to start May and, and tight ends. They signed Austin Hooper. Like they, all that cap space they were saving up. They finally like, were like, okay, let's just revamp everything that didn't work from drafting draft picks over and over again. Right. And yeah. And, and I think that, 
uh, once they were finally able to build that squad and then add the quarterback. You know, the, the team was far better. Even though they had Tyler Taylor at quarterback, they were far better than, than the past few seasons because you could obviously tell the talent all around is a lot better. So yeah, uh, once you were able This is to... something that we totally forgot. They got Jarvis Landry for a fourth-round pick. We don't talk about that enough. They got Jarvis for a fourth-round pick that year. Yeah, I mean, and it, was a, it was a huge get. And I, I actually totally forgot what the Dolphins ended up drafting with that pick, but – uh, uh, I didn't like much, but they just didn't want to give him a contract, which right. you know they gave him away for free. <laughs> and, and honestly, I, you know, I, you could argue, even though they, they have a, a fairly weak wide receiver core, I would argue that kind of worked out for the Dolphins a little bit too, because uh, that, that that helped them be able to afford money to, to get better contracts for other players that they kind of wanted to build the roster around. So, uh, but yes, no, the, the Broncos definitely uh, were able to, and you could argue Jarvis Landry was a big focal point in trying to drive. Uh, you guys like Odell Beckham Jr. to the team as well. So kind of, you know, of course, uh, steamrolled and, and uh, snowballed into a, a bigger and better roster overall. So it's just a couple of those moves. If it goes the right direction, it can continue to snowball. And, and I'm, I'm a big – I'm a firm believer that you want to add everything else but the quarterback until you can add the quarterback because um, putting being able to put the guy in the perfect position to succeed is when they're going to be able to succeed, of course. Yeah, and that's the thing the Browns had to defer. Now, in hindsight, we've talked about this before and debated it, like – Probably should have taken Patrick Mahomes with the first pick, but in the absence of generational talents, I think you're right. Like Baker Mayfield, we've talked about it before. Like he's a pretty good quarterback for now. They, I don't think they can ask for much more, but like if they can get Deshaun Watson, they'll take Deshaun Watson. But they look at Baker and they're like, yeah, I mean, we, we can't complain. We've got him for two years and $24 million still in the rookie wage scale. We'll figure out his next contract after that. But, I don't think the Browns can complain with Baker Mayfield. They've got a franchise quarterback for the first time in 20 years. And, you know, we, we talked before, like they might be a quarterback away from being a Super Bowl team. But at this point, there's only so many quarterbacks that you can get that are better than Baker Mayfield. And at, at the contract that Baker Mayfield's been on, which is, you know, eight million, eight million, nine million, and now this year, nine million, and then the year after that, it's going to be like 22 million. So I, I, they, I guess they kind of like at this point, they're okay because they can build the rest of the roster out. I am very interested to see if we end up seeing uh, the, the team not take any more steps towards a possible Super Bowl appearance or anything like that, what, what they will look to adding towards next. Because it kind of feels like at this point, the Browns are one of those few teams that have almost every single hole clogged up in some way, shape, or form. You know, you. Mm-hmm. I think the biggest question marks entering this offseason was really along the linebacker core and the cornerback room. It really kind of felt like both those positions were solved for the m- m- most part uh, this offseason, getting guys like uh, uh, Jeremiah Usukoromoa through the draft, Anthony Walker uh, from the Colts, uh, adding, you know, pieces on the outside like Troy John Johnson, from the Rams. Yeah. John Johnson, uh, of course, uh, being able to draft a guy like Greg Newsom. So they, they added a lot of pieces both in the draft and in free agency to those two positions that were seen as the two biggest needs. So unless for some reason none of those pan out at all, and it's a, a disaster this offseason, uh, it's hard for me to believe what is the next biggest hole on this team outside of quarterback. So yeah. um, I think the biggest problem, though, is if you have a very stacked roster and you get rid of the quarterback, obviously that's going to – it really, you know, a lot of the roster is probably going to want to leave because of that. And, and I think Baker Mayfield is a big driving force to wanting having a lot of these players have the inspiration uh, and, and, you know, ability to want to actually play for the Cleveland Browns. So uh, it does become interesting because I, I think that I, I do agree with you. It's hard to find many quarterbacks in this league who are going to be better at a 
it just has good deal of Baker. Yeah, Mayfield. like in terms of value, like value right. relative to what they're producing. Baker Mayfield is pretty good. Like I'm not going to say it's great, but it's pretty good to have a Baker Mayfield that you know going forward two years and twenty five million dollars. I just think unfortunately we're heading into the point of the leagues to where you know there's just going to be these insane quarterbacks like Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers who are just going to be ultimately be better because of the better quarterback play. And it's, it's, you know, I, I don't think you can ever bank on getting that guy. You have to get a little bit lucky, I think, or just have the luck of having a great coaching staff. I think, of course, exactly. Andy Reid is a big driving force behind Patrick Mahomes being the good quarterback he was. Uh, so, you know, it, it really isn't, I, I really don't think it's as much about the quarterbacks as it just is finding the right system for him to be a part of, you know? I, I think that uh, you hit on the point I was going to say, which is at a certain point, only one team can win the Super Bowl. Like this is you're just don't you're just not the Chiefs. Like as great yeah. as all the rebuilding was at a certain point, you're just not the Chiefs. You're just not the Packers. You're just not the Saints. Like the NFC is different because the NFC's had so much parity for 15 years, where 12 different franchises have made the Super Bowl and two different 49ers teams. But yeah, at a certain point, like as great as the Browns have been you just, you're not the Chiefs. Like, it's like, and windows close. That's the other part is like, if you keep waiting and waiting and waiting, windows start to close in the NFL. Guys hit free agency. The roster starts to break apart. Guys get older and you, you don't have the same resources to replenish because you've been trading two first round picks for Odell Beckham. And you've been trading, you know, or signing big free agents and deferring draft picks because you want to maximize your window. And, and windows sustainability is really hard because you have to keep replenishing young stars and not everyone can do that. Baltimore got lucky and got Lamar Jackson. The Chiefs got lucky and got Patrick Mahomes. Not everyone gets that lucky. And sometimes you, you know, you fall off and the team breaks apart and then you become an eight and eight purgatory, like the Dallas Cowboys and the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah. If the Browns end up holding like pick 26 or 27 again, this off season, um, I think they are hoping they get a Lamar Jackson situation. Honestly, if they were to draft, okay, I don't, I'm not assuming Baker Mayfield is not going to be the quarterback for the future. I'm just saying if, if you know, we assume that all their hill or all their holes are filled up and, and they don't lose anyone in free agency, of course, uh, if they had the same roster as they did this year and didn't show enough improvement outside of, you know, uh, the, the positions they upgraded, of course, um, I mean, you're hoping that they would end up being in that same situation as the Ravens picking at, at that higher picking, being able to get a star like that and Lamar Jackson. You know, if Lamar yeah. Jackson joined the Cleveland Browns, I mean, we are talking about, I would say, I mean, assuming that he doesn't choke in the playoffs, that is, you know, we are. Let's assuming... not let's not do that to the man. Come on, let's not <laughs> no, do that I'm to not, the man. Not... <laughs> I get it. Go ahead. It's, I'm just being sarcastic. Yeah, I mean that that is a that is a top tier Super Bowl contender. That is a game that you know last year I think the Browns took the Chiefs game. You know, uh, yeah, even though they Baker almost Mayfield did. Didn't. Yeah, they almost did take the Chiefs. And you game could argue they should have. You could argue they should have if they, if a couple of calls yeah. went the right way. So uh, it really just it really just depends. I, I I'm a uh, I, I'm a quite the big fan of Lamar Jackson, and and if they're able to find the Browns are able to find a situation where they can add another quarterback like that, um, even though he might not be asked to start year one, if you can guy get a guy to help develop. Um, you know, like a Jordan Love type quarterback in later in the first round um, next year, that might be the direction they need to head towards because they want to be able to keep these this stacked roster they already have. They have plenty of cap to do so. Uh, and well, up until next couple of years. Yeah, I was about to say, then you can't re-sign everyone because what happens with Nick Chubb? Well, Nick Chubb yeah. has to get a franchise tag. Well, if you franchise tag Nick Chubb, then you can't franchise tag Baker Mayfield. So then you have, what do you do? Do you give Baker the big contract and not Nick Chubb? Well, 
if those two are now making $50 million instead of making $12 million like they are right now, well, then who do you have to cut? You can't get a Jadavian Clowney. You can't sign a Troy Hill or a John Johnson in free agency. This is the difficulties of sustainability. It's the, the thing that we're talking about. We're like finding a generational star. It's the battle the Seahawks have been trying to have for like eight years now, <laughs> where they're just always the same team desperately trying to find another star in the draft. And every now and then they get a DK Metcalf, but it's a lot of Jordan Brooks and Rashad Pennies in between. But I, I would also say that these, these new TV deals, the fact that the NFL is really helping raise the salary cap might actually play into the Browns' favor by a lot. So Yeah, um, that changes the game a lot because the, the thing that people don't realize about when that happened in the NBA is that it created a once-in-a-lifetime, never happened before, once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for a 73-win Warriors team to have enough money to sign a league MVP. Like, right. that was specifically because in 2016 the salary cap exploded and if that happens in the nfl that changes the math on everything that we're talking I mean, about right now we, we are talking you know giving the kansas city chiefs enough money to sign a star a deandre Hopkins, oh yeah you know? all of all of a sudden travis kelsey's you know 14 million dollar contract looks pretty good because he's only taking up eight percent of the salary cap instead of ten percent of the salary cap it's looking a lot better when I, I you just, have all those contracts. I just think it's ridiculous that you can keep this same Chiefs team and next year they could add a top-tier wide receiver with that amount of money, basically, and, and, and still be able to have the same team as before. That, that's what this league deal is going to do. So for the Browns, you know, maybe maybe it's still a little bit tough, but I, I think that, you know, adding this extra, what, I believe $25 million is going to really help play into – uh, I think they chose a perfect time to start to do this rebuild because they're going to get the increase in salary cap. Of course, COVID was unforeseen, so they really didn't have a chance into seeing what, how this would work out. But it has worked out for them. Uh, and, and once these contracts run up, maybe you're able to use this extra boost in cap space to be able to actually resign these players. So, um, of course, you know me. I, I've been – I've said this multiple times. Uh, I, I think Nick Chubb's a great player, certainly a top five running back, one of many uh, for me. But I think that, you know, if when he reaches free agency, if – I could understand, you know, letting him go and, and going towards another direction. I, I just think that the idea of, of a running back being the focal point of your team uh, is is unnecessary. And you can easily roll with Kareem Hunt and use the money you save from Nick Chubb to, to sign other players to continue to make the team better. I just think that that would be the overall smarter move if I was put in that same position. But uh, at the same time, I also think um, Nick Chubb is a very, very good player and has certainly been a big reason why the, the Browns had a lot of success in these last couple of seasons. Yeah, and, and Nick Chubb is an interesting case because the running back position, which throws a knot in everything, but exactly what you're talking about is what every team is trying to battle with, is how do we extend our window? The, the one that I'm most fascinated by more than anyone in the league, and our buddy Walter Mitchell kind of pointed out that I might be starting to uh, fall for this team. If I'm being courted by an NFL team, this team might be doing their job as the Colts. It's so fascinating to see that window try and stay open and bring in Carson Wentz at 25 mil a year and be sustainable but also good but also they probably didn't maximize their window post Andrew Luck and is that window open still and now it's just them and the Titans and only one of them is probably going to make the playoffs as the four seed but the, the Colts are so fascinating because they're a, a fascinating experiment in like roster balance and trying to maximize your window because they're the one team that isn't maximizing their window because they they prioritize sustainability. They always are top seven in the league in most cap space, even though they've just made the playoffs two out of the last three years. So the Colts are like an interesting balance for like 
could this idea work? Because they do it differently than everyone else. The, the entire the, the entire AFC South outside of the Jaguars, who are already so low, it doesn't really matter, are on a downhill trajectory right now. It's just the Colts are managing to even that out a little bit more than the rest of them, which is what's really helping helping this team out right now. Of course, the Titans still have Derrick Henry and a couple of other players, but yeah, the Titans. Titans lost. I just full disclosure, I have no idea what's going to happen to the Titans yeah. this year. Just no idea. Last year, I thought they'd go like eight and eight, seven and nine, and they won. Derrick Henry went for 2,000 yards, and they should have only won 10 games. They got like a doinked field goal that went in against the Texans to go 11-5. and five, But he went for 2,000 yards. They should have been the seven seed. So I have no idea what's going to happen to the Titans next year. Uh, you know, I think the Titans are probably one of two teams in the league, not just in the, not just in the conference, in the league, who uh, had the biggest um, – uh, I don't know how to, how to explain it. Had the biggest, uh, I guess, uh, loss in, in the offseason this year. You know, them and the, I would really argue them and the Steelers are really the two biggest teams who have taken the mo- biggest hits this offseason because, you know, you lose a lot of your key pieces to this team. You still have guys like Derrick Henry, uh, A.J. Brown, of course, but, you know, losing Corey Davis, losing uh, pretty much your entire cornerback room, which wasn't really great in the first place, but still it needs to be, uh, you know, recognized that Dory Jackson got like that are now gone. You still have a couple other players. Logan Ryan, of course, is no longer on the team. Uh, or, no, 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 Logan Ryan was added onto the team. But now he's gone, of course, now to the Giants. Um, and, uh, you know, a couple of other key players, of course. I, I think this is the, – the, the Titans have lost a lot. Uh, of course, the Texans, we know the Texans, what the position they're in right now. We you know, try to win maybe two or three games next year if possible. It's, it's even a stretch for them. And, of course, the Jacksonville Jaguars are so bad. Um, they were, of course, the worst team in the league last year. Had to get the first overall pick, get Trevor Lawrence. Had to re- completely the Texans rebuild, weren't but... that far off. The Texans were third worst in the league, so I, they weren't that right. far off of the Jaguars. Right, yeah. But, I mean, both those teams are just, you know, terrible. And the, the Titans are such, such a downhill trajectory. It makes a lot of sense for the, the Colts to do everything they can to keep the window open by saving some salary, Kevin, and dry, getting a quarterback like Carson Wentz. Because this is, this is probably going to be, I would argue, the easiest division in football next year. Uh, and so I think that, you know, if, if they are able to take advantage of that and be able to get that uh, top of the you know, top seed in, in the draft, in the, in the, you know, in the division, of course, and be able to make the playoffs, you know, you get a good shot at uh, playing against a, uh, what would be, I guess the, the playoffs are a little bit different this year. They're going to play against a, uh, is it a five seed this year? Four against five, I think now. So. Uh, so in the NBA, or sorry, the NFL, uh, yeah, four plays five, three plays six, seven plays two, and then one gets a bye. Okay. So yeah, yeah. So, I don't know. They'll, they'll play. They'll play the Browns, I guess. <laughs> if I, they I really get just that think, division. I really just think you know, with that the seven game series, of course, they should just make it eight teams like the NBA. <laughs> but at the same time, that's tough because it's a lot more games. Uh, or actually, well, technically only a couple, two extra games uh, since they're adding just one more uh, C. But if they're going to add seven, why not just add eight? I guess it's more than incentive to want to be the number one overall C. But <laughs> they're getting to it. They have to collectively bargain that. <laughs> They're getting so, to it. <laughs> I was listening to a podcast a couple of days ago, and someone said that they are slowly, you know, trying to nudge towards maybe adding some more expansion teams, maybe looking towards course, yeah. uh, adding, you know, possibly more games this season as well as more playoffs. So maybe a lot more football is happening. We'll have to see. I'm really excited. I, also, I think the, the biggest takeaway I've gotten from all these rule changes is uh, I think oh, it's almost for certain we're, we're going to see a, a roster increase in a very near future. I, I could yeah. see 55, 60 man rosters uh, coming very, very soon at this point. 
Uh, and, I, and I talked about that same idea in baseball because baseball is really moving towards expansion with the pandemic. They're trying to push it forward, but they have to figure out the Oakland and the Tampa Bay stadiums, which is why you're hearing like the, the owner spent the whole weekend in Las Vegas and they're like talking about moving to Las Vegas. Like MLB really wants to do expansion because if you charge 2.5 billion for an expansion team, which the reference on that, that's what 80% of the Mets sold for. So if you do 2.5 billion for an expansion team in Nashville and one in like, I don't know, Portland, let's say that's extra 5 billion in revenue for the teams. And then if you divide that by 30, you're looking at an extra $60 million per team in expansion. So the NFL, it's the same thing, just jack it up even more because those expansion fees are even more than what we're talking about in the the MLB. So there's a lot of revenue to be made through expansion. It's just in football, they have to figure out the Jaguars stadium situation and unfortunately the Bengals stadium situation. <laughs> right. And, uh, you know, once they all get, I guess, ironed out, we're possibly going to see. I, I, I don't remember, I, I remember, I forgot what podcast it was. I'd like to give credit to them, but I, I forgot. Um they they were saying like you know by twenty you know it's going to be a several years until this actually happens but what you know yeah. the, the idea of of having like a couple of extra teams added whether it's like thirty four thirty six thirty eight uh, it's a very real possibility and we could possibly see it here uh, very soon and honestly I would argue that you know we are at the point in the league where a lot of players who are on the fifty three men rosters could easily be on the fifty three men roster so we're, yeah I think it's a lot more. Um, you know, opening up a lot more chances for other players to join the team. Of course, the salary cap is being raised by a lot, so it makes more sense to be able to have, you know, that much cap space to be able to sign extra players and add to their team. Of course, we're already seeing an increase in practice squad members. Uh, so, I mean, we're, you know, it, it, it's really nearing that to where we're going to see a, an increase in almost everything in the NFL, whether it's a team, whether it's more players, more playoffs, more, more games. It's all that's going to happen. Uh, and it's going to create – I'm very, very excited for that. It's going to be such a – big difference in football and a, a big refresher, uh, which I am very excited to see because we're going to have plus, we're going to likely see a lot more rotations, a lot more plays from, you know, some of the smaller, uh, lesser known players, which I'm excited about, possibly more breakouts. Um, it's going to make the, the game itself a lot bigger. And I think it's going to be really exciting for uh, not only, you know, fans like me, but also future fans who are, are trying to get into the football right now. Yeah, and to be honest, if we're looking through the numbers here, they're probably the last of the big sports that will expand. Like, you've got hockey just expanded. Like, hockey's got an expansion draft this summer. Um, MLB will probably be next, then NBA, then NFL. But expansion NBA before NFL? Yeah, I think so. I think the NBA is moving closer towards it. I think the the A-Rods thing with Minnesota is really important to pay attention to because – Minnesota has the oldest stadium and their second worst in attendance. So I think Minnesota is probably on their way out within the next five years. That's kind of what the sale signifies a bit is that they'll, they'll move out. And uh, after that, they'll do one in Seattle, one in Vegas, unless Minnesota moves to another place, they'll do Seattle, Vegas. And if one of the, if Minnesota moves to either Seattle or Vegas, I don't know, they'll put another team somewhere else, but yeah, I think NBA will be around the same time as the NFL, but probably, you know, a couple years before. They- yeah. You want to you play this game real quick to wrap up the podcast? Sure, let's do it. It is called Name That Stadium, where oh, we ask no. Blake Jude to name the names of the ever-changing sponsorships on professional oh. sports stadiums. 
this is going to be terrible. <laughs> Don't worry. It's multiple choice. Um, okay. <laughs> I, I, I tried doing that way at first. People kind of like this game, so we'll see if people enjoy it. But it is multiple choice here. So we will bounce around to all of the different sports leagues just to spice things up a little bit. So first question here. What is the name of the Arizona Cardinals Stadium? Is it A, Red Box Field, B, State Farm Stadium, or C, University of Glendale Stadium? Oh, I know it's in Glendale, Arizona. Oh, I'm going to go B. B, State Farm Stadium is correct. Okay. All right, the Cardinals now play in State Park State. University of, I think it was either University of Phoenix or University of Glendale used to be the name of the stadium. That's what I thought. I remember that was the old name, and I thought that, you know, that's why I was I was really considered B, B or C. But, yeah, uh, I think I remember hearing something about State Farm um, Stadium going, or State Farm being the new sponsorship to Arizona a long time ago. But that's the only reason why I even said that. Honestly, I didn't know for sure. All right, next up on the list, what is the name of the Seattle Mariners baseball stadium? Is it A, Safeco Field, B, Safeway Field, or C, T-Mobile Park? A, Safeco Field. That is incorrect. It is now Ah. T-Mobile Park as of a few years ago for the uh, good old Seattle Mariners. So... That yeah. one I tried to I tried to not mix up the parks and the fields because sometimes that's too much of a giveaway. But right. I messed up on that one. I'm like, shit! All of them need to be park. <laughs> They're all supposed to be park, not field. And I thought that <laughs> would end up being a giveaway that I had messed that one up. But ended up being okay on this game. <laughs> yeah, I have no clue what the Seattle Seahawks uh, stadium is. So. Or, the or Seattle, yeah, Seattle Mariners. We can try Seattle Seahawks next. Is it a? Quest Field, B, CenturyLink Field, or C, Franklin American Mortgage Field? Oh, is it B? Yes, it is correct. It is still CenturyLink Field. As of the last time I checked, I didn't research that one. I just did that one right off the bat. Let's make sure it's still CenturyLink. That is incorrect. It is now Lumen Field. Oh, my God. That is just, (laughs) that is perfect. That is yeah. perfect. <laughs> Can't make this up. <laughs> no, that is that is too perfect that they changed the name of the stadium this last year. That is, that is too perfect. Because <laughs> it just highlights everything that this game is about, which is nobody knows the names of the stadiums that keep changing sponsorships. Uh, unless it's your own team, of course. And, you know, then, yes. you, uh, then you probably remember it. Well, I mean, I could try and fool you with a, a few of these here. But anyways, uh, next up on the list, we have the Jacksonville Jaguars. Is it A, SunTrust Field, B, TIAA Field, or C, Everbank Field? Fun fact, all three of these are banks. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh I'll go B. What was B again? (laughs) T-I-A-A field? 
That is incorrect. It okay. used to be TIAA Field. It is now C okay. Everbank Field. All right. I, I remember hearing that name, and I was like, I'm pretty sure it's the Jacksonville Jaguars. But, you know, I'll, I'll consider that win in my book, honestly, because I actually remembered one of them. <laughs> <laughs> that one's pretty good, to be fair. So that Jacksonville is a very obscure one. Also, I found this funny. One of their biggest sponsors, which I'm guessing is local in Jacksonville, but it's plastered all across the stadium, is Dick's Wings. And I feel like someone did not like think that putting a giant 20 by 15 foot Dick's Wings sign on your scoreboard would not draw a bunch of jokes from a meme page. But yeah, <laughs> good, good publicity. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, I don't know where I can go to get Dick's Wings except outside of Jacksonville. But I also don't think the Jaguars have a ton of national sponsors apart from the uh, the NFL sponsors that everyone has in their stadium. Yeah, right. I mean, it's the smaller market teams like that never never really have those big company names. Uh, you know, it's more or less local. Yeah, I think that's kind of where they're at at this point. So, I don't know. All right, next up, we have the Milwaukee Brewers Stadium. Is it A, Miller Park, B, American Family Field Park, or C, TIAA Field. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> if it's actually TIAA Field, I'm going to be so upset. Uh, I'm going to go A, Miller Park. See, it was Miller Park for about 25 years. It is now. Yeah. This oh. is not, I didn't even know this is a company, but American Family Field is uh, okay. now the, uh, par- develop, the partner of the Milwaukee Brewers. So you are batting, what, two for five right now? Yeah, I mean, it's... <laughs> You know, forty percent, <laughs> not bad. I not mean, one and, we'll say also, one and a half because I gave you no options on the Seahawks. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Uh, but I will also say that the two one, two of the four I, or two of the three I got wrong, I had technically right. It was just the change since then, you know. <laughs> so yeah, they I gave you old ones and new ones to try and throw you off a little bit. So those are uh, some of the fun things you can do with this game. So next up on the list. We have the Tennessee Titans. Is it A, LP Field, B, Toyota Field, or C, Nissan Field? You say this is the Tennessee Titans? Yes. Okay. For some reason, okay. Uh, This, I believe, is Nissan Stadium because I actually have been to Nashville a couple of times, and I believe it has changed recently, right? You got it. It changed a few years ago. It is yes. Nissan Stadium in Tennessee. So uh, I actually, I actually went there uh, whenever I forgot. I forgot when it was changed, but I have my aunt, my aunt lives there, and so the only reason why I know is because I, I've, I've been down there a couple of times and, and noticed when, last time I went down there they changed the names of the stadium. So I believe it was Nissan. Um, I don't remember the, the name of it beforehand though. That's what I was trying to think. It of. was it was LP Field. That's what LP the name Field used to be. Okay. Okay. Which yeah, is, that's what it was sense. my entire life. I was like, oh yeah, it's LP Field. That's what it had always been. But yeah, they changed it to Nissan Stadium now. Yeah. So that makes sense. All right. Last one on the list. We have your beloved Miami Heat. <laughs> oh, okay. Is it A, the BBNT Arena? C, the American, or sorry, A, BBNT Arena, B, American Airlines Arena, or C, the FXT Arena? American Airlines. That is incorrect. The Miami Heat now have a 20-year sponsorship with FXT Arena that will go into effect next season. Okay, okay, <laughs> hold on. 
<laughs> it is still technically American Airlines. The season, you know, the season's technically not over. It's just for the it heat. Did, it did. It's over. It ended on Saturday. Your season's but, over now. But no, but the NBA's not over. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> okay. Yes, they signed a 20-year partnership. Can you guess what FXT is? Let's see if you can get that. What does FXT uh, sell? Uh, federal. Uh. I have no clue. <laughs> I don't know what X stands for. <laughs> it's actually FTX. I was spelling it wrong, FTX. but still. Uh, FTX. Um, FTX is a cryptocurrency. <laughs> so oh, okay. They sell cryptocurrency and money laundering. I'm going to invest right now. for Miami. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, I know I'm considering myself crypto. right for that because I, I knew... I knew it was American Airlines Stadium. I have seen that stadium many times. I know what it's called, but I actually didn't realize the new deal happened. So, uh, you know, I learned something new, I guess, every day, even for teams I don't I already, you know, know. That one I tried to sneak by the people last time because it went into effect around the last time we played this game. Like about a month before we played this game, they announced yeah. it. If, if you got me, if you got me the, like the week before the NBA season starts, I, I would have... I would have, yeah, I would definitely understand. If the arena's name had actually been changed, if they'd gone into the off season and actually physically taken the American Airlines down and put up the FX or FTX, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> I see when you said I know it for my teams, I'm like, oh, I'm gonna get him with this one. I wasn't gonna use it. But I'm like, oh, I'm gonna get I, him on that. I wasn't even listening to the options. I'm just, I'm just ready to say You're like, name American Airlines, American Airlines. I threw BB and T in there because uh, that's the Florida Panthers stadium. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, that's Blake Jude. Check him out on Stripe Hype Cincy and anything else. I, I mean, this has been a really fun podcast. So, thanks again. By the way, the Mavericks scored 53 points in the first three quarters of that game against the Clippers. Yeah. 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 So it's going to be a blowout. So, uh, mm-hmm. no, outside of that, though, you know, I get nothing much. Thank you, having, thank you for having me on yet again. And, uh, um, I was, really, I was really excited to see the Garrett Blunt podcast. If, you, if the viewers have not seen that yet, I highly suggest you check it out again. And uh, thank you for having me on. You're plugging my stuff now? Oh, my god! Got you, man. Got you. <laughs> it's the next level of our friendship, you know? We're at the point, my you know, it's, it's, it's been at least like 80 or 90 podcasts. I can start plugging you now on your own You're podcast. You're going to start plugging me on my own podcast? You're taking yeah. my job. What do you think I've been <laughs> practicing all this time for is to learn how to shamelessly plug. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Oh, my gosh. Thank you again. I appreciate you coming on late tonight. Yeah, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.